You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. And yes, I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'm excited to be here today because we're going to have a great show. Why do you ask? Because Chris Relt, who is the founder and CEO of Artemis Search Partners, is our guest. Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. In the spirit of full disclosures, uh, Chris is one of those rare guests that's a returning guest. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, he was on the show many moons ago. We've been on the air (laughs) streaming since 2009, and so he was an early guest on the platform. So, uh, Chris, let's get right into it. I like to ask founders of organizations kind of for your origin story. In my mind, I think of it as, you know, what was your motivation, uh, inspiration to create your firm? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, big inflection point back in 2008, 2009, I was a couple of years out of college and was running the permanent placement division at a uh, small boutique IT staffing firm at the time. And honestly thought I had the real world figured out and had hired a team, was putting up some big numbers, but uh, inevitably learned a lot of lessons around that time, like many of us did. And biggest one for me was uh, being a captured vendor. So one of our largest clients went into a hiring freeze and I didn't know what that meant at the time, but it basically meant game (laughs) over. Uh, So, you know, I was kind of sitting there, didn't love Orange County at the time. And I I thought about, you know, leaving the industry, but uh, looking back, you know, I'd I'd done, I guess, well for that, that time in my career, but I wasn't really happy. Um, And I think most of that was due to kind of the transactional nature of the business and that approach that we were taking. So I was lost trying to figure things out. And then ultimately, it was two conversations, one with my dad where he asked what I was going to do. And I said, what do you think I'm going to do? And he said, you're going to start a business. And then one was with a, a coach I had worked with, still work with today. And I was just ranting about, I'm going to go sell software. I'm going to do these different things. And he asked me a question that I always tell people, which was, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And it just kind of came out of me. Well, I'd start a firm. It'd be relationship-based. I'd focus on that. And that's where it kind of came from. So incorporated in 2009, but didn't do any business till late 2010. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how long it takes to go from starting it to actually creating a business that generates revenue, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And interesting time to be starting a business as well. So. Yep. Uh, Could have been a bad or a good one. I, looking back, I, I think, uh, yeah, we started off slower than I would have liked, but a lot of that was just out of fear, right? Because you just didn't know what you didn't know. But I'm sure since you started the business and you got it up and running, you might have had on occasion faced a challenge, maybe even one that you worried, threatened all that you had been able to build to that point. Was there ever a time since you launched the business where you were looking at the business going, oh, we got a really a, a big challenge to face into? Absolutely. There's There's been a couple. And uh, I think you make it through those and, and you're better for it. But 2015, I I decided to expand and we started a second company focused on placing consultants or temps. And uh, I had hired some some big hitters from a very large company. And unbeknownst to me, they'd actually been fired for some fraudulent activities uh, and ultimately did the same at our business. So that leads to a nice long legal battle. And, you know, although you can win those, the opportunity cost can be more than it's worth. Um, and during that time, we also got hit with a nice payroll scam and I'm personally guaranteed on the business with our funding company. Uh, so, you know, I was working sometimes 24 hours a day, half on a lawsuit, half on trying to keep the business alive. And another point in my career where 
thought about quitting. And at that point, it was just, I can be a one-man shop, take my book of business and not deal with the headaches that inevitably come with running a business. But thankfully, looking back, I, I didn't decide to just take personal responsibility. It's on me. I hired the people and uh, you know, uh, decided to, to put the, uh, the grit gas pedal to the floor and keep pushing forward and glad I did. You know, that's a part of entrepreneurship that sometimes gets neglected. Those uh, seminal moments when you have to look in the mirror and face the decision of what you're going to do. And possibly when you have quite a lot of, at risk, not just the, the firm that you've built and the people and the relationships, but sometimes for entrepreneurs, it bleeds into your personal life too, where you financially might be looking at, you know, being really set back financially. So uh, definitely a setback. And I was definitely on the edge of uh, losing everything. <laughs> right. And so that's whenever I meet somebody who says, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, you really have to, without scaring the hell out of them, they also need to understand there's a different set of risks that come with that very nice corner office that I love you seeing there. That's a, not a virtual background, ladies and gentlemen. That's a real <laughs> thing with the palm trees in the background. Looks very nice, Chris. Yeah, I think uh, society does a disservice for those that want to be entrepreneurs because you hear about all these success stories, but they don't tell you about all the the loses, the, the losses that come with that. And you know, I, I network with a lot of entrepreneurs, and inevitably, what made me feel normal about that situation is everyone's been through something like that. <laughs> well, welcome to the club, huh, Chris? Yeah, 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 you're in a club. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 survived. You get a badge. Of, yeah, and that and you really facing two very distracting things. You know, lawsuits yeah. can take your focus so far away from the business because it's it's just very different. But let's change the subject. We I'd like to learn about what does Artemis Search Partners. Do? Who do you do it for? Why do they pick you? Tell us about your firm that you've built. Sure. So we'll go to the beginning. I, I started out in the industry as a headhunter, a little bit different than recruiting because um, we target, you know, at the time, very passive candidates. So Artemis was the goddess of the hunt. I thought it was a very creative name, but lo and behold, there's a ton of companies out there, including NASA's space program with the same name. So that's where it kind of came from. As far as who do we help, it, it's our employees first. We redid our whole culture a couple of years ago, and our purpose is to build a, ha a happy workforce, starting with ours. So our team's happiness comes first with the belief that if you put them first, they're going to put the client first. You put the client first, everyone wins in the end. Um, so as far as what we do, we have, we have three separate divisions right now, all take the same consultative approach with a relationship focus. So we have Artemis Technologies, that places IT consultants and positional perm placement. Uh, we have Artemis Professionals that places accounting and finance consultants and positional perm placement. And then we have Artemis Search, which is kind of where I grew up in the business. That's contingent headhunting focused on the best candidates in the market, not on the market. So for very niche roles where sometimes there's less people doing the job than there is job openings. Um, so typically there we'll target direct competitors and pull out the best of the best. So if you need a salesperson calling on the financial services vertical from these three companies. Um, we go in and pull, you know, the best salesperson out, not, you know, number 99 out of a hundred. And then we also started uh, a year and a half ago, a, a joint venture that's a certified disabled veteran business enterprise. So that's to, to work with the state, uh, the fed, any company with a vendor diversity spend program. So can, I've got a couple of follow-up questions, if I may. And sure. uh, the first one is putting your EEs, your sorry, your employees first, which is awesome. Uh, I, I love that. How did you come to that realization that that's the right cultural move for Artemis? 
yeah, sitting down and going, what, what do you want? What do you want in a business? And going through all the things I'd been through, I think people lose the focus of, it's all about being happy. And how do we create a platform? You know, again, not for everyone. You still got to have some drive. You got to be disciplined. Um, but how we do that is, is kind of a little bit taken from a Daniel Pink TED Talk, mm. um, giving our team autonomy, uh, the ability to gain mastery, and some purpose behind what we do. Um, and really just caring about each other first. So it sounds like you're talking about his talk on drive. Is that, is that yes. Facebook drive? I yeah. believe that's, yeah. That's great. Yeah. How knowledge workers get satisfied at work. Great. Did you see, uh, have you seen a change in culture because of the focus? I mean, can you validate that you made the right decision and is it working for you? Yes, it, it's absolutely working. We had done values and those things in the past, but they never really stuck. And this mm -hmm. time we, we purposefully, you know, implemented it into the culture. And I think if you ask anyone at our office, what do they like most about what they do? It's not going to be money or placing cancer or this or that. It's going to be the people they work with and knowing that everyone's got each other's back um, and really demonstrating that in different situations, whether it's something someone's going through personally or taking the extra time to check in on folks. Um, it's really important. So kind of off script, I'm just curious. Um, is your workforce back in the office? Do they have a remote element? Is it hybrid? How have you addressed that situation for your workforce? We, we moved offices in the middle of, the, of COVID. And, and prior to COVID, I wasn't open to it. I just think if there's anyone that's got left behind in COVID. It's younger people to an industry where they don't get to learn through osmosis. So our senior people are, are remote across the country, um, but most of our search team, which tends to be newer to the industry, um, most of them are local, but we're, we're hybrid for the most part. But I think it speaks to our, our culture that they don't have to come in, but most choose to come in every single day. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that if I look back on my career and when I've talked to my clients, those formative early years, you learn a lot through being around others who have done it before and not having that opportunity, I think, could long term be a disadvantage for some people. And so I applaud right. the fact that you're able to have people come into your office and kind of build a culture around that as well. My final question about the business is the last piece, the JV. As an entrepreneur, how did this disabled veterans opportunity present itself to you? And how did you realize or recognize that this is something the artists could do, should do, and then started to do it? I, I'd heard about it years ago, and, and I'm very passionate about those that served in the military. And I think our country doesn't do the best job helping them transition out. So internally, the goal with that division is to only hire veterans. Um, and show them maybe a, a different path than going into trade, as an example. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a door opener to work and service the state, as an example. There's, there's tons of different positions open, much different than our traditional business. We're doing the same thing, but working with the state, there's a, a lot more hoops you have to jump through uh, <laughs> and a lot more paperwork you have to fill out to get it done. But it all started with, you know, just hearing what that opportunity could be and then partnering with the right people. Um, and now it's a matter of just getting the right folks on our internal team um, with the veteran background that can learn our business and partner with our other divisions to execute on projects. Well, I'm gonna um, say thank you for doing that because I agree with you. I think that people get forgotten after their service is over and that's a hard transition. We think it's not maybe, or don't even think about it, 
but it's a very different role and responsibility in helping people get their uh, feet under them when they get back after their tour of duty or whatever is really great. So thank you for doing that. I'm I'm glad as an entrepreneur you're addressing that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's let's look at your industry. I, I like to ask my guests on the program if it's appropriate. You know, have you noticed in your industry any consistent secrets to success that others and you are doing that you would like to share with us? Yeah, I think for us, it comes down to taking that consultative approach. Um, our industry is known for a very transactional approach and it doesn't necessarily create win-wins. When you're focused on just the, the deal you're working on, it's not a good partnership with a client. So it, it's really for us doing the right things, telling the truth, um, providing solutions with the idea of we don't want your business now, we want your business 10 years from now. And looking to, to earn that long-term business where you know a lot of folks in our industry, because it's, it's so competitive, it's mm. a race. And when you know, you put five firms on one particular search, they're going to send, you know, not the best candidates because they, it's a race and you want it. So you're sacrificing the quality. So it all starts there. It starts with telling the truth to the client and really being a partner and being invested in truly getting them the best talent because it's arguably the most important thing that any business has is their, their human capital. Your business is unique to me because you have clients on both ends. You have the candidates who are technically you're selling on the opportunity and you have the hiring company that you're selling, maybe not on the candidate, but on your ability to find the right candidate. That's an interesting dynamic that you, you know, that, that you have to deal with that maybe others don't have to deal with. Right. Yep. That's very, very true. And, and it's uh, a lot of what we do is, spending time with both sides, um, just educating them on whether it's the opportunity. And, you know, we, we even go as far when it comes to like telling the truth and doing the right thing, if it's not for them, mm -hmm. uh, telling them if, it, if the client is off on what they think they're looking for, we'll take the time to do a market analysis and go through and say, okay, you know, comp is always an issue, right? But <laughs> here's the people you want that meet all your must-haves and here's their compensation range. Here's an accurate depiction of the market. Here's maybe a solution. Someone that's in the comp range that's missing two out of your five must-haves, but their coachable skill sets they can learn in six months. Maybe that's the better hire for you. That's yeah, I, I hear it from my clients who the who are the CEOs and business owners how much comp has escalated and changed recently. And you're having those conversations, you, you know, on a regular basis. You and your team. That has to be a a hard conversation to have because people may be surprised by what the market is telling them they now have to pay for these positions. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's about showing the client the actual market. If you just tell them, if I was a client, I wouldn't necessarily believe it, uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll go very far into here's all the researchers, you know, a hundred candidates in the market. Here's the ones with the comp range. Here's what they're going to be missing. Here's the ones that you want. We'll break all of that down because that builds trust. Um, if you're just telling them and then, you know, frustrated because they're not going to pay what they need to pay and you walk away, it does our whole industry a disservice. <laughs> right. May you live in interesting times. And we certainly are in those right now. As the as the founder and CEO of Artemis Search Partners, has there ever been a time or times in your career where you kind of felt alone or isolated in the business? Yes. Um, during the legal issues, I did put myself on an island for whatever reason. Um, but I quickly realized there, and this is advice I give to any young kind of salesperson, quote unquote, successful people love to help. 
And it's just a matter of asking. And sometimes you think they're doing you a favor, but if you ask for the help, you're creating a win-win because they like to help. Um, so I had a lot of mentors and friends reach out, which provided me the support and the right mental capacity to deal with the situations I was going through. Um, but certainly at that point, felt like it was an island. But when you get out there and you network with other people and realize you know, so many have been through something similar, it, it shouldn't be normal, but it becomes more normal and makes you feel like you're less on an island. And they survived it maybe in, in many cases. So maybe that's inspiring to think that you too will get through it as well, maybe. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm wondering business advice. You know, could you pay it forward? Did you get some business advice throughout your career or have you developed some insights that you like to share and maybe you could share with our audience today, Chris? Sure. I like to to borrow uh most of my insights. I'd like to claim they're mine, but one's whenever I'm going through something that I always think about. Um same coach that asked me what would I do if I wasn't afraid? That's a question wherever it, you know, you're kind of at this inflection point of thinking of what direction do I go in? Another one is it's not who you know, it's the influential people you know and the story they tell about you once you earn their trust. Hmm. So I always, in, in any big saturated industry, you go to a networking event, there's always someone that comes up and meets you and goes, well, what do you do? And they're trying to qualify you. I, I don't do any of that. It's really, how do I meet you? How do I earn your trust? And how do I become your favorite person in the recruiting industry that you'll think of me if you or one of your friends you know, so it's focusing on anything but the business to try to create that relationship. And then at another one, like I just mentioned, uh, any successful relationship, both parties feel like they're getting more than they're giving. If you, someone on your team or someone that you're working for or a client, if you haven't been able to create that, it's just not fun. And, you know, if you're not having fun and you're not going to be happy and it is all about being happy. Yeah, that, that works both in business and your personal life, isn't it? With your friends and others in your life. Got to enjoy that experience. So we're winding it up here on Critical Mass Business Talk Show, but I can't let you leave without asking about the future, Chris. Where are you taking the firm? Where do you see the future? Can you share a little bit about your vision? Absolutely. I, I think early in my career was always about we're going to be this number. We're going to achieve this, you know, financial gain or gross profit. For me now, it's about solving for a feeling, not a number, with the belief that if we achieve that feeling as a team and me individually and each individual team member, then that number is going to be much larger than focusing just on a number itself. So our vision right now is we want hundreds of happy Artemis employees all over creating impact and having fun along the way. Well, that's an interesting. There's a author, his name is Mo Gadot, and he wrote a book, Solve for Happy. And his his role is to create a billion happy people because he thinks like working out, happiness can be worked on and improved. And so uh, it sounds like something that you're you're a part of that movement, Chris. Yeah, I love that. And I like we, we did our kickoff this year, and one of the topics I talked about is when people think about happiness, they think ease and comfort. But I think true happiness comes from overcoming the hard things and going through those challenges that creates more purpose, which creates more happiness. So I think that society, particularly the younger people, the reputation out there, like knowing there's going to be some sort of a battle and that happiness comes from getting through that battle. We're getting really philosophical here, ladies and gentlemen, and that's why I liked, I was excited to have Chris back on the show. So if someone would like to connect with you on LinkedIn 
or learn more about Artemis Search Partners, where should they go? Yeah, our website, we're, we're about 80% through a, a new rebranding. Um, so the, the landing page is up, got a much, much more there, and there'll be contact info on there soon, but always on LinkedIn. Although I will say, like a lot of people, we don't, uh, I don't pay attention to many of my in-mails anymore because I get so many salespeople that uh, don't pick up the phone and try to build a relationship. <laughs> uh, but yeah, add me on LinkedIn, follow me if I can ever help out. Um, happy to do so. Well, thank you for giving of your time today, sharing your philosophy, vision, and a little bit more about Artemis with my audience. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Rick, and congratulations on the show and uh, hoping to be a third guest at some point in the future. We, we can work that out. We'll have Haley work on that. And I'd like to thank the audience. As I said at the open, you're a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Chris's interview, which is now available as a as a video on our three platforms or will be shortly available as a podcast. About 1,400 podcasts we have out there of Orange County entrepreneurs over the years. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you have a story to tell, and who doesn't? You should reach out to us. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I on LinkedIn. That's coincidentally my website as well, rickfranzi.com. And I'd love to hear from you. And until the next time we all have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Yeah.